Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. As I have a chance to speak around the state and get feedback, it will inform and educate me on how to accomplish the mission that I really believe is the most important part of my life. That's United States Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. And as we continue to march towards 2024, of course, the former President Donald Trump is in the game. And former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, uh, has announced her candidacy for the presidency. But someone who is showing all the signs that he might be considering a run and maybe a double dip from South Carolina, Tim Scott. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. Well, it does seem that Tim Scott is uh, inching ever closer to possibly throwing his hat in the ring. And the question is, beyond the headlines, uh, one, is there space for two South Carolinians to be in the game? But why should we watch Tim Scott? How does his chances stack up against the rest and others who may jump in? Matthew Continetti is an American journalist and senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, And uh, Tim is... uh, Scott is obviously uh, getting a little closer. Uh, Matthew, as you look at it, uh, what do you see in Tim Scott, and what is Tim Scott looking at relating to jumping in the race? Well, thank you for having me. I think there's uh, a lot of upside in Senator Tim Scott's potential candidacy. You know, I spent the past couple weeks talking to the senators of both parties uh, and asking them about their opinions of Senator Scott, and I couldn't find anyone who had a bad thing to say about him. Uh, He's an immensely likable fellow, Um, and I I think that he has other advantages as well. Um, One is that he stands apart um, from the uh, non-Trump, non-DeSantis candidates for the Republican nomination in a couple of ways. One, of course, um, he's uh, the only uh, African-American who's expected to run on the Republican side. Uh, Two, he'll be the only senator, standing senator. Uh, expected to run on the Republican side, which is quite unusual for a contested nomination. Um, three, he's got a lot of money. He has $20 million cash on hand that he's raised. He's a very good fundraiser. And he has the backing of a big donor named Larry Ellison, um, uh, who's a, a tech giant. And so uh, he, he'll have the means, if he so chooses, to, I think, compete all the way through Iowa. And then finally, um, uh, what strikes me about Tim Scott is his political personality was really defined prior to and apart from 
the era of President Trump. And so unlike uh, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, and Nikki Haley, uh, Tim Scott doesn't really owe former President Trump anything. You know, whenever uh, the two Mikes and Nikki Haley talk up their successes in the Trump administration, well, former President Trump is going to be right there, and he's going to say, thanks, I was in charge. You know, I agree. It was great. I was the guy. Tim Scott, though, you know, he was apart from that, and he doesn't owe Trump anything. And even though I, he's not a, um, a brawler like some of the other people who are expected to run, I think that he would be a contrast uh, from, from Trump that if Republican voters decide to go in another direction, and that's, of course, up in the air, um, they might they might decide to go with someone like Tim Scott. Yeah, I think it's uh, so interesting. And uh, you're right. He is as likable as it gets. Uh, He was uh, new to the Senate when I was there as a chief of staff and uh, just uh, not just likable, but but smart likable and uh, and so important. And his ability to connect with an audience, uh, I think, of all the people who are either in or thinking about getting in. He has a unique perspective there. I remember hearing him on a a Saturday morning at an event, and uh, we've been talking about Jimmy Carter teaching uh, Sunday school today. <laughs> I'd go to I'd go to Tim Scott's church and church in a heartbeat to to listen uh, to oh, that yeah. very soulful focus there. Uh, but he also has a very positive vision uh, yeah. that I think even stands apart from what Nikki Haley tried to lay out. Uh, he has one that I think is unique amongst those that uh, so far look to get in. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. He is a very um, interesting personal story. You know, this is a man, he, um, he grew up uh, with a single mother. Uh, they were living a working class to poverty level. Um, his greatest influences were his mother, his uh, grandfather, who had barely an elementary school education, um, and then the uh, white Chick-fil-A manager who really changed uh, Senator Scott's life around uh, after the ninth grade where, um, you know, Senator Scott failed four subjects, including civics. And as he likes to say, that's something for a future United States senator to fail, to fail <laughs> civics, to fail government. Um, but meeting this uh, man, John Moniz, really changed Senator Scott's life, uh, reintroduced him to Christianity. Uh, introduced him to uh, conservative economic and social principles, and that just set uh, Tim Scott on on the path that he is in today. And to tell him, I've been in audiences several times where he tells this story, and every audience is always moved. And I expect that to be the case when he goes. He's been in Iowa these past couple of days when he goes to New Hampshire. Um, the thing about Tim Scott is not many people know who he is, right? But the people who do know who he is love him. And what that means is he has great upside potential as this uh, presidential contest unfolds. You know, if you're Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, everybody knows who you are, and Republicans generally have good feelings. Uh, but that's not really going to change all that much, especially with President Trump. That, right. That's set in stone. But there are other candidates like Nikki Haley and Mike Pence, potential candidates and former Vice President Pence, 
who are well-known, but who do not have as high favorables um, as uh, DeSantis or Trump. And they will need those to change. And it's hard to change favorables in a positive direction. Tim Scott, though, the more you get to know him, the more you like him. And what that suggests to me is he's going to have a run at some point. You know, he might not win the nomination, but I think Republican voters will give him a serious look in the year ahead. Yeah, and I think uh, going back to what you mentioned earlier on, the fact that he has $21 million in cash on hand yes. gives, gives him the ability to introduce himself, uh, not just to mm-hmm. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina obviously knows him pretty well. Uh, but he has a, a little bit of built-in staying power there that uh, some of these candidates just may never have enough cash to uh, to make that uh, that argument uh, or present themselves in front of the American people that way. No, absolutely. It's a big advantage. You know, when I, I look at um, one thing that I would uh, advise him to, 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 to work on a little bit is he's, he, the story is very powerful. And that's going to connect with a lot of people. But then I think many voters are going to ask, okay – what next? What comes yeah. after the story? And there, you know, what what he and what, a, frankly, a lot of our presidential candidates need is a kind of an argument for the country. I mean, obviously, there's the Donald Trump argument, which is everything is broken unless I'm in charge. That's the argument he made in 2016. That's the argument he made in 2020. He's going to make the same argument in 2024. And that's persuasive for a lot of Republican voters. Um, Ron DeSantis's argument as he moves toward a run for president, it's kind of hard to figure. It's, I think it's going to be Florida is the free state, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to turn America into a giant Florida. Um, that's going to be his argument. Um, but, you know, uh, when you get to other candidates, a little bit harder to determine what their big argument for leadership is. And so, you know, I went back to uh, Barack Obama's announcement speech uh, in uh, Springfield, Illinois, in February 2007. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed. Someone pointed this out to me, and I had not really realized it in the 15 years since. Obama never mentioned his race in that speech. Mm. Now, of course, he had already written two books about himself, right? right? I mean, everybody (laughs) knows Obama's story. He will talk. But in that speech, in that speech where he launched his presidential candidacy, it was not about him. And I think that was a conscious decision. It was the decision by Obama and his advisor, David Axelrod, to really say, well, this is what I want to do as president. This is why you need to elect me. I think Tim Scott needs to do something similar to that. Maybe not right now where he's introducing himself to uh, early state voters, uh, but definitely in the months ahead. Uh, Fantastic insight. Uh, Matthew Continetti, American journalist, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, has a great piece in the Washington Post on Tim Scott uh, and the case. Uh, He is one to definitely watch. And uh, Matthew, thanks so much for joining us today. Great perspective. Thanks for having me. All right. uh, Great stuff from Matthew. And I've been saying it for a year now, keep your eye on Tim Scott. He will, as Matthew pointed out, there's going to be a moment. I think he'll have a moment if he jumps in. Uh, where everyone will have to give him that look, and then he'll have to make the case of not just this is who I am, but this is what I can mean for you and help you move forward in your version of the American dream. It's a compelling story, way beyond the headlines, but it's something to think about. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.